in this day and age, we, we don't get touched by life in the same way that maybe your ancestors did fighting for their life. Food's not as sweet. Our, when we eat, it's not the same. When we drink, it's not the same. When we breathe, it's not the same. When you're confronted by that struggle, the true nature reveals itself all the time. We don't really have that struggle. I mean, our struggle is more of a mental struggle. And it almost feels like we've come so far, but also it's not like everyone's quality of life's matched up to that in terms of their mental health at least, mm. or their spiritual health at least, yeah, or their ideas of what's the point. I mean, what's the point is a nauseating topic to think <laughs> what is the point. But it's still something, at least when I think about it, that you have to come to terms with yourself. And even if it's just all well, the point is, you decide the point. You give it meaning. Because anything can be meaning. It's something can, this can be the most meaningful thing to me. It can be the most meaningless thing. You know, so it's, is it you're going to get yourself into a meaningful situation that you ultimately make it meaningless? Or is it meaningless and then you make it meaningful? It's up to you. That is plant-based ultra-endurance cyclist Abdullah Zainab. And this is episode 243 of the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to episode 243 of the show with Abdullah Zainab. You can find out more about Abdullah. He's uh, on YouTube, The Glucose Network. Just search for that. Or you can look for him by name, Abdullah, A-B-D-U-L-L-A-H, Zainab, Z-E-I-N-A-B. I'll put links in the show notes. You can just look at the show notes on your phone and you can click on it and find it right now. If you're new, hi, welcome. G'day. Thanks for being here. I'm Washi Ginsberg. Um, if this is the first time you're listening to this, you're here for, um, uh, for Abdullah. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Um, if you don't know me, uh, I'm a TV host from Australia. Um, currently working on a TV show called The Bachelorette. We're shooting that. We've finished shooting The Bachelor, but that comes out in a couple of weeks. But so we're making The Bachelorette right now. Um, I've been on telly for a while in Australia. I've done a bit of radio in my time. Um, when I'm not doing those things, I'm uh, with my family. I have a wife and wonderful stepdaughter. Um, I'm cooking, which I enjoy very much. I made. Um, Best and flour protein pancakes this morning for breakfast with uh, chocolate fudge sauce, and it was oh fucking amazing. Um, or uh, you can also find me on my back in my backyard, swinging a kettlebell around, or on my bike because uh, I do like to ride a bike. But when I'm not doing those things, I'm busy making this podcast, and I've done that with the help of some fantastic producers every Monday. And I've done it for the last 242 Mondays in a row. That's a lot of episodes. So uh, I certainly hope if you're new, you go and enjoy some of the back catalogue. There's a couple of great cycling ones in there. There's a couple of great plant-based ones in there um, as you go through. Look, what is this podcast? This podcast is a conversation that you get to be a part of, a conversation designed specifically to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Hopefully you'll hear something today. Actually, I know you're going to hear something today that you need to hear. You're going to need to hear you're going to hear something today that you go that you go, "Oh man, I needed that today." Of course, that makes so much sense. 
Abdullah's a prophet, man. You're going to hear some stuff today. It's going to be good. But so this conversation in this podcast, sometimes it's with somebody you know, sometimes it's with someone you don't know. But yeah, I guarantee you will hear something you need to hear today. Just a little bit something to help you, just a little bit of something to help you make today a little bit better than yesterday because that's what we're all here to do, right? Just how can we just get a little bit better? Uh, thank you very much to everybody that got in touch this week. Send us your email at gmail.com is my email address. Thanks to everybody that bought the book this week. And thanks to everybody that's already booked tickets for the live show. Yes, there's a live show. Osher.is slash live. Osher dot is slash live go there book a ticket come and hang out you can buy a ticket and a book at the same time there'll be a book signing there'll be we can hang out we'll take photos whatever you want to do um it's going to be great august 30 giant dwarf in sydney hopefully trying as hard as i can to get some other shows up in other cities but the idea is that we make this one pretty good we film it we go hey wouldn't this be good at your festival hey yes i can't make it big do lots of the laughing thing loudly and then hopefully we can tour it around the country. But yeah, thanks to everybody that bought the book and sent me their invoices. So um, I'm shooting those little thank yous and sending them out one by one. Thank you so much for your patience there. And thank you everyone that bought a ticket to the show, osha.is slash live. And a big thank you to everybody that sent me a podsy this week. Now, what is a podsy? A podsy is a picture that you shoot with your phone or whatever you're listening to this on right now of what you're looking at at this very moment, right now. Whip out your phone, unlock it. Take a photo of what you're looking at, send it to me. However, on that, on that, I got an email from Megan. Now, Megan uh, sent me an email, email at gmail.com. Megan works at the Transport Accident Commission. Now, Megan listens to the show. Megan's been listening to the show for years, actually. Uh, she works at the Transport Accident Commission, which is in Victoria, and they, they aim to kind of, I guess, decrease the road toll and decrease uh, injury and trauma caused by the roads. Let me read you her email. Hi, Osha. I hope you're well and you've had a great week. Just thought I'd send you an email as I am concerned by the number of people who send podsies they have taken whilst driving their cars. I realise, or hope, that most likely they are stopped or at the end of their drive when they take the photos, but I just think it might be worth reminding people not to take photos while driving. I work for the TAC, the Transport Accident Commission, in Victoria, and I manage claims of people who have severe injuries, brain and spinal injuries. I'd hate to think people are using their phones to take photos and perhaps they have an accident. I know recently there has been a spate of people actually dying whilst taking selfies in dangerous spots. How terrible. So maybe it might be worth just saying when you mention about taking a podsy that people ensure they are parked or not driving. Don't mean to be a wowser, but when you work with people who have sustained serious injuries and car accidents, it just makes you more aware that people need to take care when driving. I'd hate for one of your listeners to become my next client. Have an awesome weekend. Can't wait for next week's podcast. Cheers, Megan. So there you go, team. We've been asked nicely by someone who knows, someone who knows, who manages this sort of, the after effects of these kind of things every single day. Megan, thank you for reminding us all that. Thank you very much. If you're going to take a photo while driving, think of Megan. Think don't do it. Wait till you're parked. All right. A big, massive, Massive hello to everyone on the Facebook group. Uh, you can find a link to the not only the, the book, but also the live show and the Facebook group in my Instagram profile. Um, 
a massive hello to the Facebook group, which is build, building into a, a, just a vibrant and supportive community. And it's so wonderful to see the conversations and support that's happening there. It's just, it's just so nice. This week, uh, someone who's listening, inspired by Kath Koshal's acts of kindness, um, reached out and said, look, you know, the act of kindness I'd like to do is I want to buy a copy of Osh's book. So reach out to me. And someone reached out to her and there was a conversation and she bought a book for someone in the podcast who in the podcast group who couldn't afford to buy it. And it just my heart just glowed, glowed that that sort of thing's going on. Uh, there's great conversations in there and there's so much support and it's really, really nice that the people are, that were getting together and having a conversation there because it's a bit one way here on the podcast and it's really nice to be able to engage with everyone and talk with everyone. So uh, you can search for it on Facebook, you know, just look for the Osher Ginsberg podcast or if you're in my Instagram bio, you can see a link. Um, also, a big thank you to the new people that supported on Patreon this week. Podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. I need to pay my producer, audio producer, Andy. I need to pay my show producer, Rachel. And... Um, uh, Patreon is a really great way to help support the show. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Osher. It's like real meat and potatoes, nuts and bolts. It's cash. And that helps because I have to pay Andy cash and I have to pay Rachel cash. And it really, really helps. So to check in with you. Hey. Okay. So hi. If you, like I said, if you're new, I should, you know, point out, um, I'm Osher. Hi. I have a, I have a different brain. Okay. Um, I got, I got born with the brain I got, and then along the through the years, there were some things I put in my body that maybe didn't do my brain any favors. Um, but anyway, now I have a situation where I've lived in my life with uh, generalized anxiety, with social phobia. I've, I've been through psych, you know, psychosis, episodes of psychosis and paranoid delusion, and I've been medicated for OCD in my time. I'm off meds at the moment. And managing my life off of meds has been interesting. It's been rewarding. It's been a challenge for myself and those around me. But at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I am up against a few massive deadlines at the moment. Um, things are piling up. I'm trying best to break it all down into small chunks and manage them just a bite at a time, which is fine when I'm awake. When I'm awake, that makes total, total sense. Like I'm sitting in the office in our apartment, but I've got to clear this office because we've got someone coming to stay for a little while. So, I've got to clean my office out. And so, I know that's just, okay, just a box at a time. That's super easy. That's fine when I'm awake, but when I'm asleep, nah. So, my brain just kind of goes, do, 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 when I'm asleep. So, things like that. And I did want very much to report to you this week that I had a full eight hours of sleep after talking to you last week. I think I managed just over seven one day last week. Which isn't ideal, but it's better than four hours and forty-one minutes. I swear, I wear. I swear, I wish I didn't wear my Fitbit to bed sometimes because you feel okay, and then you look at the number and go, "Fuck, how did I do that?" So yeah, I think I managed. I managed just over seven hours one day last week. But you know, like a good person who has a different brain, I remain accountable and I report these things to my therapist. And she and I talked about it because I know like too many days in a row of lack of sleep can start to become a downward spiral and I know I've got to be careful. That's a big red flag for me. So, I've got to be really careful around that. So, I talked to my therapist about it and she and I talked about handling that feeling in my body in a very different way. Previously, I've been trying to, you know, cognitively deal with the anxiety that woke me up. But, and as I've said before, trying to think your way out of thinking is sometimes a bit like, it's a bit like trying to bite your own teeth. You know, you're trying to use thinking that's not really working very well to try and combat thinking that's not working very well. Nah. 
And at 4 a.m., when your body is just full of arousal chemicals, can that even be touched by my thinking? Look, in my case, it can't. So me and my therapist, we talked about using physicality to diffuse the energy. And one of the things he showed me how to do, and look, this worked for me. It might not work for you, but this is what it worked for me. There's a little hallway that goes into our bedroom, all right? Just about two meters long. So I put my butt against one side of the hall. I put my hands on the other side of the hall. And I pushed up against the wall. And as I pushed up against the wall, I imagined pushing, like, honestly, the cleaning of my office. I imagined cleaning my office, pushing it away, going, it's okay, I've got this. And I pushed it away. Just held it for like a breath. I did that a few times. I went back to bed and it worked. It's like my brain went, ah, oh, that's okay. We've sorted that. Like the actual physical act of pushing and have my muscles pushing against that actually worked. And this morning I tried a new, a new thing that was interesting. It worked as well. It kind of freaked my wife out a bit because she was wondering what the hell I was doing in bed because I didn't have to get out of bed for this one because it's cold. I don't want to get out of bed. So I rolled over onto my tummy. Because I'm lying there going, oh, fuck, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, fuck, 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 I'm awake, fuck, 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 what about this, what about that, fuck, 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 fuck. All right, you know, you've done it. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I rolled over on my tummy, put my hands up on my shoulders, took a big breath in, held it, pushed down against the breath, and I just pushed against the bed, like to a push up just a one inch off of the bed. And I just held that, pushing, 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 thinking about, I'll clean the office, I'll, I'll, I'll sort that out, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And then I let myself back onto the bed and I let all the air out. I fell asleep again. All right. So that's what worked for me this morning. I don't know if it's going to work for you. But yeah, Audrey, that did, that did wake Audrey up. And she, she, at breakfast, she goes, what were you doing? Oh, I figured that's what you were doing. You're doing the pushing thing. But that worked. That worked. So look, that's what's working for me at the moment. All right. Just trying to get the physicality in there to try and combat the, the thinking. Because like I said, it's four in the morning. It's cold. The dog's found his way onto the bed and I couldn't be bothered to kick him off. I can't be busy trying to reframe cognitively what the hell's going on on my head. So I just used my body and it worked. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, but I'll report back next week. All I can really do is chip away at the work, chip away at the anxiety. You know, you don't, you don't build a house like one day there and one day it's gone or the one day it's gone one day it's there you do it brick by brick so just i'm just chipping away chipping away i'll report back next week and i'm but massively i'm so grateful audrey is actually helping me record the audiobook we're recording the the audiobook all right here in this office right now in my house and audrey's um producing me which is really really good what does producing look like it means audrey sits there with the script and um she goes on oh, to do it again you stumbled or mm, i don't believe you when they said that sentence or stop do it again you know, you sounded too stilted. Like she's really, you know, she's very, very good at what she does. But it's so nice to have someone so close to me emotionally with me in the room as I back over the tricky parts of my life and tell them again. It's because of the way I've written it, you know, it's 44 years of concentrated emotional responses smashed down in a couple of hundred pages. And so there's a lot of concentrated emotion coming out. And it takes a little bit of time to get over that emotion once I'm done, once I've said it. But I can only think that that's a good thing because it means you'll feel it when you hear it or when you read it. Because if I didn't feel anything when I recounted it, that would mean I've not been authentic, right? But yeah, it's 
Like, honestly, I'm not even going to lie. Like, at, at times I've been in tears reading this. And I thank goodness I'm here with Audrey because if I was in some studio with, a, you know, a producer and an audio guy and I'm there crying in a booth, no thanks. But I'm here with Audrey and I can feel I feel confident enough to be vulnerable in front of her and, and have a cry. Stop the tape. Rewind. Go back. Clear my nose. Read it again. But, yeah, just doing what I can where I am with what I have. That's what I'm doing every day. That's all I can do. Part of that involves swinging my kettlebells around and riding my bike every day. And it is in riding my bike and because of riding my bike that I discovered today's incredible guest a couple of years ago. I've been following him online for a long time. I was thrilled that we have finally got a chance to connect and I cannot wait for you to hear from him. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My guest today is Abdullah Zainab. Abdullah is a plant-based ultra-endurance cyclist, a man with a crystal clear outlook on life and an incredible capacity for self-awareness. You can find him on YouTube by searching The Glucose Network or follow him on Instagram, Abdullah Zainab, A-B-D-U-L-L-A-H-Z-E-I-N-A-B, Abdullah Zainab. Now, Abdullah is a prominent figure in both the plant-based and the cycling community. His videos online and live streams are stuff of legend. However, recently, Abdullah completed the Indian Pacific Wheel Race, an ultra-endurance, unsupported bike race. Unsupported means there's no crew cars. There's no, like, you've got to feed yourself. You've got to find your own places to stay. Some people camp. Um, You've got to take your own food with you. You can't have a car pull up next to you and give you a bottle of water. So, unsupported. So, an unsupported bike race from the Indian Ocean in Western Australia in Fremantle, across the bottom of the continent, up the East Coast, and it ends at the Sydney Opera House when you dip the tyre of your bicycle into the Pacific Ocean. The 2018 edition of the race was officially cancelled hours before the event began. However, with riders from all over the world already gathered in Fremantle, 
The GPS trackers already fitted to the bikes. A number of riders chose to ride the route regardless, and it became an unofficial race because all the media were there. Everyone was ready to go. Abdullah averaged more than 500 kilometres a day as he rode his bike across the Nullarbor Plain. Uh, if you're not from Australia, Nullarbor is literally the Latin word for no trees. Null arbor, Nullarbor Plain. It's a lot of nothing <laughs> for days on end. He, he averaged over 500 kilometres a day across the Nullarbor, and he ended up 5,000 kilometres later finishing the course in incredible time. Abdullah's story of what he has not only discovered about himself through his life, but most definitely what he discovered about himself on this bike ride is truly inspirational. Now, I was so impressed with Abdullah as a human. He's an extraordinary energy to be around. He came here to the flat with his lovely girlfriend. He and I sat across from each other while he very gratefully opened up to my questions, fearlessly exploring the areas that I was asking him about. He does talk fast, so this one might need a second listen in case you missed something. But I'm just so grateful Abdullah came around. I'm so grateful he was so open as this conversation took some turns and went into some pretty deep concepts that might challenge you, but that might even open your eyes to a way of seeing the world you might not have thought of before, because it most certainly did for me. I can't wait for you to hear this. Enjoy this conversation with Abdullah Zainab. How do I pronounce your last name? Zainab. Zainab. Yeah, Zainab. Abdullah Zainab. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends how you want to say it. Like, I, I don't even say it that much. I don't find myself saying it unless I'm at the bank or talking to someone over the phone. Yeah. Asking for my details, but it's Abdullah Zainab. Abdullah. Yeah, Abdullah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Growing up in Adelaide mm-hmm. as an Abdullah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really like it when I grew up. It's one of those things I was like, you know, like when you know when you're younger, you're kind of like ashamed that you have like, you're not called a Tom or like a Jack, you know, like I was just looking around. I was like, why can't I ever call me Jack or like Tom or, but as I got older, I was like, it's a pretty cool name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What part of Adelaide? What part of Adelaide? You know where Klemzik is? No idea. Okay, you know Northeast Road? Yeah. At the top of Northeast Road. Probably like three or four things past Walkerville. You know uh, Walkerville? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like keep going up. Right. That's yeah. What did your folks do? My dad was a me- my dad when he lived in Australia was a mechanic. Um, but was an engineer by degree. And then uh, my mum was a lawyer or is a lawyer. And then my dad moved to Jordan when I was younger and he works for an airline company out there doing engineering things. So they split up, did they? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was I must have been maybe like six or seven yeah. or eight. And yeah. mum, mum carried on. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was good though. My dad was a bit, he's a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's my dad, but he's still crazy. Yeah. And you don't accidentally become an engineer. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it takes a particular kind of person mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who thinks that way, who just requires, you know, only in my experience, yeah. people that are engineers yeah. is like, I don't know, no. No, this needs to happen after that. that yeah. Systems. Well, I don't know systems. how much. Yeah, I don't know how my dad became an engineer. You yeah. know, when you look at your, your family, you just think, you know, like it's just my mom or it's my dad. Like I don't yeah. look at him and think, like, how? Did, I just look at him now. And go, how did you become an engineer, man? <laughs> Do you know, like, so did they yeah. come? Did they come to Australia? What they, they did is they came to Australia. They fell in love. Where came to, in Jordan? Yeah, in the Middle East, and then they came to Australia. And um, yeah, I don't know if my dad. I don't think my dad really found any work here. 
And maybe that ate him up a little bit and then he moved. Yeah. You know, and then, I don't know, man, now he's back. It's a typical Jordanian thing sometimes. Yeah. And they go back to Jordan and now he's just, I hope he's not listening, but just complaining about being in Jordan again. <laughs> but still there. It's just you or other brothers and sisters? No, I've got a sister, but she lives in France. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She, um, she's also a lawyer. So I'm kind of like the, uh, I don't really succeed in that department in my family. Right. Do you know? Were you the only Abdullah that you knew? Yeah, at the time. At the time. Because, see, my mum was like, well, like, I'm going to put you in a real good, like, private school and work really hard to do that. So I wasn't really, I didn't really find myself with too many Abdullahs, you know? Like, I found myself with a lot of Jacks and Toms and that was kind of... Very Adelaide. Yeah, very Jack, Adelaide. Jack you know, Adelaide, Adelaide, yeah, small. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So that's where I was when I was growing up. And then I moved to Melbourne yeah. after I finished school. I just finished school and I was just like, I'm moving to Melbourne. I thought Melbourne would like provide me with some sort of meaning in life. Yeah. But it didn't. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not an uncommon Adelaide thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the thing is, you go full circle on the Adelaide thing. What you do is you go, I don't like my life. Adelaide's the problem. So you leave. And then the same problems arise, depending on how far you go. Like if you go 10,000 kilometers away, it's, it's obviously these things are going to travel 10,000 K. It takes a bit of time, you know. But for me, being Melbourne so close, it didn't take too long. I mean, it's only 1,000 Ks away. Problems travel pretty quick. So, you know, and I don't really do much anyway. I, just go to the, I was going to the gym and working, you know, part-time here and there. And then I was like, wow, I feel the same. But then, you know, doing the typical things. I was like, it's too much lights coming in my window and I'm not sleeping enough and that's what's making me upset. So I would like duct tape the windows and right around the time I met her too, maybe like a year later. And People can't see who you're referring to. You want to tell people who's in the Oh, room? my girlfriend. My girlfriend, Jess, behind me. And um, yeah, that was it. And then I went into uni a little bit and uni out a little bit and I was like, all right, now I'm going to do it for my mum. I'm going to go to uni. And then there was this one day that I was... Actually, there was two days. I went to the university, RMIT, and I went to s sign in. And I was just like, I don't know. What were you studying? I got into some sort of like, I don't even know the name, yeah. but it was something I got into. And I was like, you know, it's cool. It's in the city. I'm close. So I went in there and I was like, this is the day I'm going to, I'm going to start. Like I'm coming in and I'm doing it for my mom. I had rationalized myself to it. Like it's okay. I can kind of bend my life to please her. So, but I ended up being like half a semester late when I went to this girl, but she was like, dude, you like, you're like two months. It's two months ago. It started because I was asking her, it's my first day. Where's the room? She's like, it started two months ago. So I was like, it's someone telling me not to go. And then the second time my house got infested with cockroaches. I feel ashamed saying it. I feel ashamed saying it. But what happened was I was literally about to go and I saw one cockroach behind the fridge and I, I got my girlfriend. I was like, Oi, move the fridge with me. We moved the fridge and I found like 30 cockroaches. So I was like, I can't go. So I had to exterminate the house and that was kind of the end of my university ambitions, <laughs> you know? Just to, roll, just to roll back a little bit, it's, it's interesting, the idea of, oh, my life's full of problems. I know, I'll move. Yeah. That'll fix it. Uh, in sobriety, I'm sober. Yeah. In sobriety, we call that a geographic. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've done lots of those. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, I'm drinking too much. I know what'll work. I'll move. I moved to fucking Los Angeles. It's not far enough, is it? No, I didn't work. But you're still alive. That's the problem. John Captain's in had it right. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. You're, you realize that your home is you. Yeah. What, that, problem, what problems were following you around? Oh, I was just getting too many. I just, I don't think, I just think life wasn't panning out the way I thought it would. 
And I think I was so dependent. I found myself so dependent on, it was almost like it was very, the first 12, I don't even how many years you're in that system of education, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, like I made so many friends and, you know, it's got its, it's got its good uh, attributes to it. But I found that when I got to the point where I was like, what do you want to do? I was like, man, it felt like the first time someone had asked me and I was, I couldn't get my head around it because I was like, well, you've been telling me what to think, what to study for so, for so long. Now in this one 20 minute meeting with this person, how am I meant to just come up with it? So I tried to lie, but I couldn't lie. Like I was trying to be like, yeah, I want to be an engineer. But I mean, like I rarely meet people who want to be an engineer, you know? So I didn't want to be that person who's like, kind of just like lied to themselves. I'm like, yeah, I want to be an engineer. It's a cool job. I just couldn't do it. So I was, it was, I was very confronted by that. And it started on a, it was started very small. Like it started to be a small problems, but it, it leaked into every aspect of, of my life. Like I couldn't escape it anymore. Just trying to find, just trying to understand what to do. Because I felt so lost without that structure of school, that school provided with me. And now I was seemingly out in real life and I didn't want to go to uni and I saw everyone going to uni and I was just like, well, what do I do? You know? And that's where it kind of started with me. But I got really into the gym at the same time. So that was kind of like, well, I'll just go to the gym and I'll just become amazingly good looking in terms of, you know, now, you know, that's not what I thought back then. That's not what I thought I was doing or why I was going. But, you know, I was just thought that maybe that would provide me with some meaning, looking good, you know, but that shortly, that was short lived too. Short lived in the sense, maybe it took me three or four years to find out that it wasn't going to give me what I wanted, what it wanted, what I thought it would give me. But, um, I found myself in this exact same place, just like, well, what now? I'm just still as empty, you know, I'm still just sitting here like, what's the point? And, um, it was just a confronting feeling and no one had, no, I couldn't find anyone to help me because 90% of the people I talked to were in the same exact position, but they have just accepted the lie and it's a hard one to confront. So they're not going to tell you. They're just going to say, stop thinking. It's hard to stop thinking. I mean, it's a hard thing to explain to someone who doesn't think that much, but it was weird. Like I would be like, you don't think like this either. But the response I got, even from a lot of loved ones was just like, you're thinking too much. It's like, what am I meant to do? You know what I mean? Like it's a, it was just a hard spot to be in. Especially I feel like back at that age, it was hard to, because it's not like all your friends had had life crises, you know? So you're like 21, 22 at the time? I was 18 at the time. Oh shit. Yeah. 19 at the time. Yeah. You know, so I was contemplating these big picture things, seemingly big picture. Now I don't think them as I don't think of them as big picture. Now I think them of just inherit things that you should be thinking about, and then they're your kind of it's your right to think about them every day. What's the point? I mean, hopefully there would be something, you know, because you're alive. But back then it was kind of like no one was talking about it to me. You know, my mum was more so worried about it because it's your mum. Your mum's like, you start telling, you start telling this to your mum. Your mum's like, what? You know <laughs> what I mean? Your mum's like, you're not meant to be thinking about that. Yeah. You know, it's, it just strikes a lot of worry in them. So that's kind of where I was at the time. When did things start to feel better? It's kind of a process. I mean, you know what I mean? It doesn't just happen acutely. Like it, it took a long time. First of all, the first thing I had to recognize was that I actually had a legitimate problem, you know, and I was scared that I had a problem. Because, you know, when, when, especially with, I don't even want to say anything mental, anything that you can't see, it's almost like you have a, bro a broken arm, you go to the doctor. But if you're having some sort of, yeah, dealing with something mentally, I mean, like, that's kind of like, 
not as easy just to go to the doctor about it. And that's where I was at the time. I was like, man, I was like, I don't want to be one of these mentally ill people. And I don't want to be one of these people who go tell them I'm sad. And all these words start coming, depressed, anxiety. I'm like, I didn't want to even think about those things. But the fact that I was just like thinking about the fact that I didn't have them was making me even more upset and making me even more anxious. So I just got to the point, I was just like, you know what, dude? I was like, I'm just going to be the most crazy person. eh? Like if I'm going to be crazy, I'm going to be sad. That's just me. And we're just going to deal with it. And that's where I am. And that's the exact moment I was like, all right, well, now that like, I just felt this weight lift off my shoulders. I was like, damn, like now that I've like, I've just come to terms with it. Like I can actually find a way to improve and get myself out of it. And that just started the journey out of it, which took another four years. Yeah. Up until now. What, what was the, what was the first step on the, after that day? Well, because the physical, first, the first, the first thing, there was a specific moment. I remember, I know it sounds like. It was a specific moment I got into great shape physically. You know, because I knew I could work hard and get into great shape. I got into great shape physically. And I just remember looking myself in the mirror and just feeling worse than I did getting to that point and just thinking, that's not how it's meant to be. Like, I'm meant to be here now just thinking, like, I am, I am Abdullah. I am the best. Look how good I look. This is meant to be giving me that feeling I've been searching for. And that from there... It, that was really the wake-up call for me because I, I was like, I've had enough of this. But it was just an incremental process of just – at that time, it was, real, it was real intense for me. Like I had to manage myself on a second-to-second basis almost because I just couldn't escape. I mean, how can you escape yourself? You really can't. You know, there's – if you're alive, you can't escape it. You have to deal with it. So, you know, I would be like flipping pancakes and I would just be controlling myself from one flip of the pancakes to the next flip. Just like all I have to do is just go to the next flip, next flip, next flip and just tell myself, just flip it, just flip it, just flip it, just flip it. You know, because I couldn't really, my thoughts were just getting so loud, just so loud. And I was just scared that I had got to that place where like, I had gotten to a point where I had questioned my life so much. It scared me so much. And, and just the idea, those ideas are what was scaring me and debilitating me. So I just managed myself on a second to second basis and just thought, Nothing else matters except what I have to deal with in this next thought or this thought. And um, long story short, over time, I had to deal, I found myself managing it on like almost like a longer period. Like it would go from second to second to every five minutes, every 10 minutes. And before you know, I could be almost free of thought for a longer period of time. And I was like, wow, I haven't thought about this crazy stuff in like two days. Then I'd think about it and I'd go through another three days of thinking crazy stuff. Not even crazy stuff. I don't even want to call it crazy or just going down that path of thinking. And then I'd have another week and two weeks. And then, you know, over time of just working on it, I'd go months without it. Like working on a muscle at the gym. Yeah, like working on a muscle at the gym. I mean, it's just no one really teaches you how to work on it. So once I came to terms with that, this is normal. This is a normal thing Like what I'm experiencing now is not that far out there, you know, to be contemplating these ideas of who am I, where do I come from, what's the point, who, what, where. Once I got over that, like this is quite normal, then I was quite eager just to be like, well, I'm just going to do what I always do, just work hard over time and see what happens. And it worked. I mean, well, it has been working, I should say. It's not like it completely goes away, you know. I think that's an unrealistic thing on to think to myself like that you're never going to have any sort of struggle. And then like it'll that. be all better. And then it'll be all better. It's a constant work in progress, but that was yeah. it. Got to have a lot, of credit to, a lot of credit to you, for, though, that – I mean, let me ask, though, did you ever try and numb it? Because a lot of people escape to, to alcohol. A lot of people escape to, you know, what I know. In mm-hmm. my, in my mm-hmm. experience, that's certainly where I went. Numb it? Num- 
Well, I was so into the gym. I never, I, my numbing was like going to the gym more. Yeah. So the gym was kind of an unhealthy obsession for me. And I think it is for a lot of, uh, unhealthy in the degree that I was like, I oh, know I'm just going to keep pushing. Like maybe I haven't pushed enough yet. Maybe I'll just keep inflicting more suffering on myself and relieve me of my own suffering. I'm but you're also, right now. I don't. But you're also releasing the stuff inside your brain mm-hmm. that can make I, you feel better. That, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. In I their- think in my time it was it was maybe the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't really find myself numbing in, with, in terms of any sort of substances or, or well, that's, stuff that's, like that. That's that's extraordinary. And the way you describe managing those thoughts, mm. pancake flipping to pancake flipping, yeah. right? You know, and certainly in my earliest hours, days of sobriety, and I try and talk to, the, you know, when people ask me about, you know, not drinking, I'm like, some days it really was minute to minute. Mm. Some days it was hour to hour. It's crazy. And, but it's the it's the the faith in your head to know that, I, you know, people ask me, oh, are you really just hard one day not to drink to the end of your life? And I say, no, it was like, I'm just going to get to tonight, yeah, 10.30 tonight when I yeah. go to bed without taking a yeah. drink. It's too overwhelming to and think in that yeah, kind of scale. Exactly. Come on, it's too know. overwhelming. And like, then cool. I would cry. I'd, I would just give up, man. Yeah, but exactly. If you break it down, like how do you, you know how do you eat an elephant? A bite at a time. Yeah. You know, it's just what's the tiniest time frame? And that you described just being present mm. in that all that matters is this pancake. Mm. Fucking good. What kind of pancake was it? I don't even know. At the time, I was making some crazy concoction of just like, I was mad at the gym, so it was like full of egg whites and like, uh-huh. right now, I'd never cook that pancake. Like, it's too many ingredients. It was too obsessive. It was like, just get pancake mix from the supermarket and then you'd be okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what it was for me. I mean, if I thought of the long term, I mean, my quality of life at the time was so down and so unbearable that if I thought of anything other than the next exact second, it would be too much. It would be too much. It's such an intense place to be in, do you know? Um, but the faith that everything ends really kept me going, do you know? That everything everything has its time and it, it comes and goes. And even, you know, if something has to last four years, I mean, four years isn't that bad when you manage it second to second. When you think about it as four years and you start thinking about what's what's taken place in the last four years, you think of how long four years is and how long a day is or how long a week is, then it can be very overwhelming at least. At least for me, in my experience, that's what it felt like, you know. But now I'm grateful at least because it really does – the experience really shapes the way you see the world, you know, and really you form a deeper – you just form a deep appreciation for life itself and that becomes the driving factor in everything. And you feel like you've been touched by life in a certain way that you can only hope other people have been touched by it because you, it's in this day and age, we, we don't get touched by life in the same way that maybe your ancestors did fighting for their life. Food's not as sweet. Our, when we eat, it's not the same. When we drink, it's not the same. When we breathe, it's not the same. When you're confronted by that struggle, the true, the true nature reveals itself all the time. We don't really have that struggle. I mean, our struggle is more of a mental struggle. Do you know? Um, and it almost feels like we've come so far, but also it's not like everyone's quality of life is matched up to that in terms of their mental health at least mm. or their spiritual health at least yeah, or their ideas of what's the point, you know? Yeah. I mean, what's the point is a nauseating topic to think <laughs> what is the point. But it's still something at least when I think about it that you have to, you have to come to terms with yourself. And even if it's just well, the point is you decide the point. You give it meaning. Because anything can be meaning. It's something can, this can be the most meaningful thing to me. It can be the most meaningless thing. 
You know, so it's you're going to get yourself into a meaningful situation that you ultimately make it meaningless, or is it meaningless and then you make it meaningful? It's up to you. You know, that's a profound thing to <laughs> that's a profound thing to and come that's across. Like, that's the exciting thing. Is that because I, I had to be I had to be taught I had to be taught that. Yeah. I had to be taught that concept that, that that you came to that. Can you just explain that a little bit more to, for people that may you know this well, might be the first time they're hearing it? Well, it's like. When I thought about like how can I cre- – when people used to say you create your own reality, it just sounds so mystic and so far out of your own reach. Like it's like, well, do I need to be meditating on top of a mountain my whole life to, for that to happen? And then I can kind of just move stuff in my mind and, and that's going to work. But I just noticed that like within your own experience is that you give everything meaning. Whether or not you're told to give it meaning, like yeah, obviously there's some stuff you're taught is meaningful and then you accept it to be meaningful and then therefore you see that in a meaningful way. But it's ultimately, you can make anything as meaningful or meaningless as you want. So you can interpret the, anything in your day-to-day life either or. You can make a meaningful situation meaningless or you can make a meaning, meaningless situation meaningful. And you can broaden that to your whole idea of the way you see the world. Is existence as a whole meaningful? And then you've just adopted a lifestyle that's created it, um, allowed it to become meaningless? Um, through your own actions or could it be meaningless and then you can make it meaningful? Can you give maybe give a, an, a practical day-to-day example of a how practical. you can look at well, it through two eyes? Well, like, well, you could wake up. You could wake up and sit on your phone and eat breakfast and just be sitting on your phone and eating breakfast and just think, this isn't that exciting. Be, you could be scrolling through Instagram just eating food. The food's providing you with life. Uh, it could be creating a new piece of skin on your body that's going to stick there for how, God knows how long, f- giving you energy to move around. Um, and you could just not even pay attention to that because you don't have the clarity of sight to see what's actually happening. And then that feels, that's pretty, then to you, it's meaningless. It's just like, oh, I'm just eating food. I've just woken up. I'm just connecting with people around the globe. You know, that's magic. That's a miracle. But when you think miracle, you think of some dude in the Himalayas. But here you are getting out of bread, connecting with someone who's halfway across the world, eating food that's becoming a strand of hair on your head, and you're like, life's not panning out the way I thought it would. Haven't got enough likes on my last post. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you, you don't see what's going on. You know, so I guess that might be a scenario. At least for me, that's a scenario. A scenario. And that's something, it's not something I've come to... I'm always like on the, I'm not always on the meaningful side of it. It's just something that I always remind myself of so that, that I'm in control of that. Mm. And oftentimes when, I, when, when that's present in my state of being, everything, I notice the meaning in everything and the magic in everything. And, it's ex- and it just makes it exciting to just be alive. And life feels better now? Of course. Of course, it, it feels way better. You know, it feels way better just to, because... Life is something that's always present. If you're alive, it's there. And it's present within everything. So to identify with that as something that's, it really is magical. And you really, you never came to life with the tools to be able to understand what it is. You can just try and make sense of it the best you can. So to identify with that is, is it's always there. It's always, it's not like you, I identify with being a six foot one male who has a six pack. No, I identify with life. And then it just reshapes the whole way you see the world. 
and the way you see every scenario. Suddenly everything becomes magical. And then, you know, I don't know, it just, it just, it just shapes an appreciation. And at least that's what it's like for me. <laughs> it seems like uh, it's a much better place to be in than you were. Oh, of course, eh? Hey, of course. Because then you notice how like, I don't know, at least for me, you notice that like, you notice that now that you've come at it from this, it's almost like when you see that and you feel that magic, everything's interpreted in a magical way. Like, let's just say information's coming from the outside, coming in, and your brain projects this image within yourself, projects this image of what the world is through the information. It's almost like the framework in which it's interpreting everything. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's the state of the framework. That's what's what's in there. It's it's everything's being interpreted in a magical way. Like you only see like it, it comes back to that statement that I once heard, you only see what you know. Like if all you know and experience is hey, that's what you see in the world. If all you know is love, you see, if you know love, you see love, you know, and then it comes a classic example of just, you start interacting with people and you start noticing that you project yourself into every situation and that's, you're only ever seeing almost like shades of yourself. And, and that's easy for me. Like I wake up, I don't sleep. I drink four shots of coffee and I'm feeling a bit anxious and upset and judgmental of myself. I just walk down the street and I walk down Bondi Junction and I'll just be like, this dude thinks it's cool. This dude's ugly. Why is this guy? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, I don't even know what I was saying, but no, but no, I, 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 it's it's clear. Don't yeah. worry. It like you clear. walk down the street, and it's like coming back to only see what you know. You walk down the street, and it's and and it. If you just stop and think, like, why am I even thinking about this? Or like, when I look at somebody, like, why is that? Why am I picking out this one thing about them? Out of everything you can pick out of something, like out of everything I can pick out of you and think, oh my god, you're good looking. You got great hair. Or I could be like, that yellow is quite ugly on you. <laughs> or that yellow is not bright enough. <laughs> Out of everything I could say about you, out of everything I'm seeing right now, I'm only going to pick a few things to talk about. And it's like, where does that come from? How can it not come from me? I'm the, I'm the machine that's processing all this information. So it's only fair to think that I'm, if I'm filled with hate, then all the information is going to get projected in a hateful way. Yeah. You know? Um, That's powerful knowledge to have and, it's, and it does, but it does take it and a degree of self-awareness because when you're in that moment, when yeah. you're walking down the street after four shots of coffee yeah. and you're just going, that guy, that guy, that yeah. motherfucker, <laughs> it's hard to suddenly realize, I'm, oh, it's fucking me. Yeah. Like, I'm a judgmental, insecure human. <laughs> like, that's a hard pill to swallow when you're it out there. It's like, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it, ultimately, it's being like that, it's never going to do anything for you. And you're never gonna you're never gonna feel a, a sense of peace. You're never gonna feel a certain level of calmness. You're never gonna you're never gonna get what you want yeah. out of this experience. So you do your best to fix it. 
And that saying that starts with you is, is, is so true on so many levels. I used to think it was a joke saying that you, you know, you create it. You, I mean, you create the rally you see or all these things you hear that are kind of sound mystic and out there. And I used to think that was a joke until I was like, well, maybe I'll try it and actually see in a practical level if this actually works. Like if I try and adopt a more loving view of myself and work on that, maybe I'll see a loving representation, the world will show me a loving representation of itself. And it did. You know, that's just straight practically, it did. And I was just like, well, I'm going with this. You know, I'm going with, that's contagious. I mean, you're going with that. Yeah. And these, these thin lines of separation, they, they, this, this separated view of yourself within this, whatever, we, whatever it is, they get dissolved. It gets dissolved. But if I'm in a state where all I see is, you know, the world through my eyes of judgment mm. and I happen to be in a similar orbit with another person who also sees that yeah. I, I'm then justified and reinforced mm. and the two of us find this space where we can judge the world and we find uh, strength and camaraderie and yeah. safety between yeah. us. Yeah. And uh, to kind of talk a little bit about yeah. food – I've only recently, even though I've only eaten plants since 2002, yeah. mm. I've only recently started talking about mm. it because a lot of that, fuck you, you're eating face, yeah. vegan shit, yeah. I'm just like, I've no fucking time for that amount of anger. Yeah. If people eat whatever the fuck yeah. they want, yeah. leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I find that you know, in a, in a, that does exist mm. in, in people who even so claim to be, and for me, you know, to talk about that for a moment, mm. it's like I, I see it in that kind of dogmatic way. It's just mm. almost like a race to righteousness. Yeah, I, I, I oh, agree. Oh, yeah, right, right, vegan. Yeah. I saw you wearing leather shoes on The Bachelor. Clearly, you don't take it that seriously. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, dude. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so I, you know, when, when you are in that, you know, to also then to identify as like, hang on a second, yes, I feel this way. This person, this person, this person close to me feel yeah. this way. Is that... The truth, though, or am I just associating with people that reinforce my beliefs? Uh, uh, am I just sitting in this confirmation bias bathtub? Uh, you know, just we're all pissing in it, thinking it's warm water. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean, and I, I've definitely experienced what you're talking about with. Oh, he's wearing leather shoes. It's like I've experienced the same. Like, oh, that sausage was wrapped in an animal product. It's like, dude, here I am halfway across the world eating a rice sausage that's meant to have pork in it, and you're getting at me about it. It's like these dudes are laughing at me. Like I'm, I'm like pissing on a national dish right now for you and it's not good enough, you know, and I'm trying to do my best, you know, but um, it shouldn't be the case though. And I mean, for me, it's just like, I feel like I grew so, I think, I think it's different. I think, you know, if I'm being honest, I think, you know, everyone has problems and I don't think, ve I think, I think whatever they do, there's going to be problems. Yeah. So veganism is just, it's like the internet, you know, the internet's just the internet. Veganism is just veganism. And what you bring to it and how you operate within that space is largely dependent on you. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure if they're a good comparison, but you know what I mean? Um, but veganism is one of those things of even whatever you, I, I, I would just say more conscious eating, just being more conscious of what you eat. I mean, that's also another step in, in down the path of, those lines, that line of separation becoming less, that you recognize life across all boards other than yourself. So you recognize the life of an animal. You recognize the life of everything, that life is life. And who are we to discriminate life? You know? And you recognize, you recognize the magic of your own life. Well, then that life's also magical. And it's having its, it's having its own experience. And you feel connected to that. I mean, at least to me, that's a large part of why I wouldn't eat meat. Is that how it started? How did it start for you? Well, largely for me, it was just a part of my uh, friendship group. 
I just had I just started cycling, and there was there's a huge vegan community in cycling. Okay, wait, wait one second. Tell me about the, the bicycle situation. When oh, did, well, how did that come into your life? I don't even know. I, what I was doing is I was riding single speed to work, and um, in Melbourne, in Melbourne, I was riding a single speed to work in Melbourne because you I, know it's Melbourne. Everyone's doing single I, speeds, I, acting I, I cool, would, dude. I would if if I didn't have work here, yeah. and I've already talked to my wife about it. We've gone on recce's. I've yeah. kind of indoctrinated her, yeah. like. We, we would move to Melbourne tomorrow yeah. if if work was was there. Oh, it's, it's like it's like place. the greatest cycling city oh, yeah, in this yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking amazing. Coming so, here, it's so complicated. Yeah, so you're riding you're riding fixies around Melbourne, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was running single speed, and then I just got to a point. Where I was like, I want to do longer rides, so I bought a road bike, and then I would ride my bike in Adelaide. And in Adelaide, I just started meeting heaps of people who rode road bikes, and kind of got into that scene of bike riding in Adelaide. And um, a lot of them were vegan. And it just rubbed off on me because we'd just start eating at restaurants and I was still lifting a lot of weights at the time. And so I was like, nah, man, I don't know about this. You know, I've just eaten chicken breast for the last eight years, seven years, six years, whatever. And uh, I don't know about this, but it just rubbed off on me. And it was a slow, pro- I was definitely sl- slower to it than most people. S- a lot slower to it. A lot of mess ups. Um, and it took a lot of, but I was real certain that I wanted to come to it on my own terms. I didn't just want to be like, yeah, I'm in this spot where I don't really know what's happening and I just want to cling to something to give me some sort of meaning. And, you know, like, no, I was like, I want to come to every single stage of this on my own terms and make the realization myself. Not because someone's telling me. I mean, I had to deal with that my whole life. People telling me what to do, people telling me what to believe. I was like, nah, dude. I was like, I'm going to wait till I actually believe it. Because if I don't actually believe it, it's not going to stick. So I just waited till I actually really, really, and it did. It did grow on me over time. And I started to, really really firmly believe in it um and that's where it begun for me because the messaging certainly if you're in a gym environment the mm. messaging is animal protein yeah this many grams per mm. kilo this many times a day mm. or you'll turn into a you know yeah, yeah, pips, yeah. pipsqueak you yeah. can't keep muscle on yeah 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 100 percent. that's definitely that's definitely the standard view of everyone at the gym but the people at the gym i mean that's just not people don't even know why they want to eat like that it's just what you do like there's yeah. no they don't even have no science behind it they have no rational understanding of why it has to be like that. It's just, well, some dude told me that like two years ago and he looked good. And if you look good, then you must know what you're doing because that's that's the formula. If you look good, you know, which is not the case at all. You know what I mean? It's not the case across the board. I mean, you can look good and be dying. You can look you can look good and be a complete trash bag. You, look, you can look good and you can have cancer. You can look at, you know, so many things can, looks don't equate to knowledge. Um, and that's something you learn in the gym. You just think, oh, wow, like maybe that moderately healthy looking dude in the corner actually was saying some truth. I should look into it, uh-huh. you know? So when you started to shift your diet, what was the first thing you started experimenting with? Well, just the, just the meat, really. Yeah. You know, I just started switching to, you know, we had fake meats and stuff like that. But I kind of got over the fake meats. I found it too, like, I was like, dude, I can't be like going out and buying all this fake meat and stuff. I just started getting into the tofu and, you know, my girlfriend... Uh, knows all like the Asian spots with all the tofu and stuff. So that's really what I started to get onto, you know. But I was kind of over that, like, let's just be in peak physical shape. Because I was looking for well-being. You know, I'm looking for health. Like, it feels weird me sitting here saying, like, I want to be, I want to be healthy. Like, I want to train for well-being. I used to laugh at people who said, I want to train for well-being. I'm like, what do you mean well-being? I want to look good. I was like, I want to look good, dude. Because if you look good, then you feel good. And if you look good, you know everything. You know, these, these things that just aren't the truth, you know. So, but then it shifted to like, I was like, nah, dude, I, I mean, I want to feel good. You know, I want to feel good. Um, so I, it was easy for me to let go of that. 
It was easy. If three or four years before that, I couldn't have let go of it. I would have been like, no, I'm holding on to this for dear life, man. You know, because it meant a lot to me at the time. There was no difference between me and lifting weights. I was lifting weights. Lifting weights was me. Looking good was me. If I didn't look good, I didn't know who I was. And I was just holding on to that baggage like no one's taking that baggage from me, you know. So, but once I cut that off, it was like, yeah. I mean, if that's going to make me feel better, I'm going straight to that, um, which was cool. And as you, as you transition more and more, mm. how did you, you – you said you were training for well-being. As your yeah. diet started to yeah. shift, how did you feel? I felt, I felt pretty good. I don't, think I, I don't think I felt the same as someone who had a really dramatic transformation in diet. Like you were someone who went from clean. eating, yeah, I was eating yeah. pretty good. Like, I didn't go from eating KFC sitting on the couch to eating tofu and running. I think a lot of people do that. They go from one extreme and they hit the veganism and they're just like, like, oh my god, you go for a walk, you feel good, like, you know. And it's well, blo- you do, yeah, yeah. yeah. It blows <laughs> their mind. But you know, I was already training quite vigorously, so yeah. I was already maxing out that training capability. It was just a different. It just brought a different aspect of well-being, a different way of, a different level of connectedness I hadn't experienced before. Yeah, that only could be experienced through my actions because it wasn't – I didn't really believe until I acted on it. It was just one of those thoughts. It was like watching some dude talk on YouTube about motivation or, you know, some iffy idea that came into my head and I just was like, oh, it's kind of okay, you know. But until I acted on it, that's when it really changed everything for me. It became – it's almost like I I took it and I actualized it and that's when it became cemented in my beliefs and it really changed it for me. And the talk about – you know, obviously it came at this uh, um, co- the, this confluence of when you're having this moment in your in your thinking about the mm. world where you were talking about recognizing life as mm. what the miracle that it is. Mm. I mean, uh, it's not my line, but yeah. where where atoms contemplating other atoms? That's fucking mind blowing. I can't think. I can't a wrap rock, my head around it. A rock cannot think about another rock. Where we, <laughs> you and I are just a bunch of space dust yeah. that showed up 13 billion years ago, yeah. and. Every single thing sitting in front of you was something that you ate and every single yeah. – there's no cell that is on your body that was there 25, 30 years ago, however long ago it was that you were born. Yeah, right? so That's crazy. fucking mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. You can't wrap your head around it. You can't. I mean, you won't you, – you, literally, you can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. That's like the number one thing is that you never really truly understand the nature of reality. It's extraordinary. It's just so – if you try – like, you know, like it's just like oh, – it takes like two seconds just to think like, wow, like – you mean like no one – like really, no one really knows. Yeah. It's just all ideas and theories. It's like but we it's, only know – and that's what's so exciting. It's like you only know a speck. You only know a speck of the, 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 the real picture and that's so liberating because just coming to terms with the nature of the question, the nature of the question is unknown. Once, it's not the answer. It's the nature of the question or the nature of the answer, whatever. You know, it's just confusing when talking about it. You know, like just – the unknown nature of it is what liberates you because then you're just like, well, you know, like you, you can liberate yourself from this unknown, I, I, the, every single unknown circumstance you find yourself in, even on a practical level. Like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen if I make that move. Well, you're like, I don't even know where I came from, dude. Well, I don't even know what's happening in existence. Well, it's not really that bad. It's, no, it's not really that hard for me to uh, enter in, on this unknown business situation when I'm a, like an unknown entity. You know, like that's just like, well, who cares? But the very – what's fascinating is that you've gone from a place of the unknown was driving you mental. Yeah. And I use that word. Yeah. The unknown was was harming your ability to mm. exist mm. and you've come to a place where the unknown mm. is awesome for you. Yeah. I think humans are so smart, man. 
I think you're so smart. I don't think you're ever going to actually truly understand how smart you are or how how special we really are. And I think sadness is almost the first step sometimes in realizing that true potential. And it's like you have an, an immense intelligence within you to notice something's wrong. You just know. There's no words for it because you can't even translate into words. You just know. And it's almost like a little voice inside of you is saying these things. And like at the start, it can be tough. But um, it has a way of it's, it's creeping to the surface, of showing itself to you. And it can, it can, it can come up in, in, and be sad at the start. It can be like that. But um, I ultimately, it, I'm just baffled at the fact that there's something within, you, within yourself telling you these things and, and has an intelligence of, its, uh, intelligence of its own, you know. And it's almost like your journey to suppress these natural or this voice within yourself. Like I found that when I was younger, I had an immense voice within me saying, it sounds, it sounds depressing. Okay, it sounds depressing. Now I've come on the other side of it. But it was almost like you're a nobody. Like you're a nobody. I always felt I always felt like I was nobody and I really didn't like it. I was like, nah, dude. I'll bro, I was like, I'll be dead before I become a nobody. So I really fought. I was like, I'm gonna fight so hard to be somebody, dude. Whether it be big, muscular, good looking, have a thousand girlfriends, whatever, you know, just think of anything. And I, I could never fill that void. I could never fill it. I could never fill it. No matter what, no matter the task, seemingly how big, how small, how you think about the task, how my mom thinks about the task, how they think it should be filling the void, I could never fill it. And it was only when I sat back and thought, maybe there is no void. Maybe there was no void. How can you fill a void that doesn't exist? Maybe you're a magical piece of life that's extremely unique and it's the illusion that you've allowed yourself to believe that you are a nobody that actually leads you to becoming a nobody because you give up what's rightfully yours. How can you, how can you, how can you fill up a cup that doesn't exist? How can you fill a void that doesn't exist? And that's why you never feel like you can, you can fill it because it's not there because ultimately you're a whole complete piece of life that came here to fulfill something very special. And it's not even about, yeah, let go, let's be cool and be extremely unique so I can be popular. No, it's like, no. Allow that to play out and allow yourself to ultimately step into the shoes that you are ultimately meant to step into so that you can provide this planet with what you can, which is you. I mean, it's an amazing thing, you know? So, <laughs> bro, that's like, <laughs> that blows my mind even thinking about it. Like, this, I used to think of this void, like, just I was sitting in my room thinking like, like, like this, I remember once I was staring at like a light in my house in Jordan and I was like looking at the shadow of the light bulb and thinking like, like looking at the shadow and just thinking like, I don't know, I was looking at the shadow and looking at the light bulb and just thinking myself with the light bulb and I was just like, I just had this white thing and I was just like, there's no void. You know, like I just went crazy. I was just like, and it started writing on my phone and I was just thinking like, it's only the fact that you think there is a void is what it drives that pursuit, you know? I don't know. That's, that's, that, that, like I'm what, trying to wrap my head around it now. I can't. It just comes out. Abdullah, what you've just spoken about is something that's possibly cost me, in the, I don't know, in the realm of maybe twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of therapy to talk about, yeah. you know, that you yeah. had that experience uh, on your own is yeah. freaking amazing, man. But that's what, and, I'm no different to anybody and that's why I think and – and, and, and it comes to a point where I was like, man, I'm looking at this light bulb writing this down and I'm like, 
do I even have, am I, oh, the authority to think about this? Like, who am I to think about it? That's what I used to think. But then I just, then I just sat back and I looked at myself and I thought, man, I'm alive. What qualifications do you need to speak about? What qualifications do you need to try and interpret and understand your own experience right. anyone if that, life is the qualification? If you're alive, you can speak about it. You can think about it. Anyone that wrote any holy book was human. Yeah. All right? They were a human being like you and me. Mm. That's, that's it. Mm. That is it. They can say they got the words from somewhere. Yeah. But ultimately, the hand that put the paper on the pen was a human being, yeah. all right? And where they got the words gone, that might be a different word for mm. them. They've called it, you know, this particular deity that's told them to guide yeah. their hand. But it's ultimately, it's just a thought that came into their head and they wrote it down mm. and that's it. It's amazing, there's, eh? There's nothing different. Yeah. There's nothing different than mm. they're just um, – you obviously learned a lot about challenging yourself. You obviously mm. learned a lot about, about fear and pushing mm. through fear. Mm. You talked about longer and longer rides. You've just completed probably one of the longest rides on the planet, yeah. which was uh, the unofficial Indian Pacific wheel race, which is, starts when you dip one wheel of your bicycle in the Indian Ocean mm-hmm. and finishes when you dip one wheel of your bicycle in the Pacific Ocean yeah. from Perth to Sydney, to the Sydney uh-huh. Opera House. How, like, you talk about taking a bite at a time. Yeah. Holy moly. Like, how do you even, that's what, 5,500 yeah, kilometers? Yeah, about that. How do you even begin to contemplate an unsupported, no crew trucks, no one giving you food, no one pulling up next to you, giving uh-huh. you a sandwich? How do you even contemplate an athletic mental pursuit such as that? Where do you even begin? Like, where am I going to have breakfast? Like, it's just one bite at a time. You already said it. It's just one bite at a time. What I ended up happening, ultimately, with the whole story with the thing is, I'll try and condense it real quick. I was filming the race the year before. You were out, you were out filming the yeah, race? Yeah, me, me and Jess, my girlfriend, were out filming it. And, so uh, you drove? Yeah, we drove the whole thing. It was torture, in a sense. Like, I felt like I was doing the race in this, in this car. And I just saw these guys going for it, and I just had this brief thought. I was like, man, I've got to do this. And then long story short, I couldn't deny that thought. Like I was like, who would I be? How disrespectful of myself would I be to not try this, you know, while I'm alive? So I was like, boom, I'm entering it. And um, yeah, I just, we just, I just had faith that I had done these, gone through this process before of like challenge, fear, experiencing all these things. I had faith that I had experienced all those things before and they would play out on the bike and which they already had on smaller 24 hour rides. I'd experienced the same emotional curve. You know what I mean? Um, but you say, you say smaller 24-hour rides. Come on, like Yeah. So for some people, walking anywhere further than their letterbox mm. is a physical exertion that they can't bear. I think of my own dad, 12 steps yeah. for up our old house was yeah. a challenge mm. for him, all right? So um, you progressively just got better and better at managing not only your body or nutrition, your nutrition, but also your headspace mm. as you rode from 50 kilometers, 100 mm. kilometers, 160, which is 100 miles yeah. on, on a bicycle, 200, 300, 400, 500. Mm. Now you're starting to get, well, am I going to sleep or not? Because yeah. I can only ride so far in a day. <laughs> yeah. How much sleep do I need? So you had these progressively longer mm. and longer and longer rides, mm. giving yourself, pushing yourself into a space that you were uncomfortable uh-huh. in and then realizing, oh, okay, okay, I know, okay, I'm okay here. I can, next time I do this, I'm okay. I know that I'm okay at this point. Next time I'm going to go a little bit further. So that That, that was literally, you said it better than I could. Um, And that's what's so exciting about, uh, what's exciting about it for me, uh, what I love about it so much is the, 
there's something the fatigue brings out of you. And there's something only sitting on the bike for that many hours really brings out of you. It really pushes you into a corner. And it's just a really exciting corner to be in. So I was like, dude, I got to be out there for two weeks and see what it feels like. And it literally, there was only probably two or three moments that it felt like I had worked the whole bike ride for. And like they were real short and quick, but they were like the most intense moments. I was like, and it just took one second where I was like, this is why I'm here. And it was, I was like in the forest. I was in the forest, like coming into Sydney. It was like 2 a.m. I hadn't slept in like a day and a half. And I had just like this overwhelming sense of fear hit me out of nowhere. And I was just like, so like, I was like, like I stepped back and I was like, I'm so scared right now. And I had nothing to be scared of. I was like 70 Ks from the finish. I mean, I had just done 5,430 kilometers. I was like, why am I scared, bro? It's like 40 K, but I got so scared almost to the point where I was like, dude, am I going to finish this thing? Like I'm only 70 Ks away. But I was conscious. I was like, nah, this is the point. And it's so satisfying to just rip the head off the snake metaphorically and just be so scared and be like, well, let's go. And it's just like, it's a feeling I couldn't describe to anybody unless you've experienced it. It's so liberating. And it's like, it took me 13 days and whatever, how many hours to get to that one point where it was just so intense that I wouldn't trade for the world. So a, a, a moment where, Jesus, man. 13 days, 16 hours. I was like 13 hours, 13 days, 19 hours. 13, 13 days, 19 hours, yeah. nonstop on the bike, averaging how many hours sleep a night? I was averaging quite a bit like for these type of races. I was probably averaging three to four. Fucking hell. Yeah. So three to four hours sleep a yeah. night. Yeah. You get to this point mm. where out of nowhere, mm. somewhere like two neurons above your spinal mm. column, a fear response hits you. Mm. That just utterly, utterly overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. I hadn't experienced fear like that before. I had experienced fear kind of on the bike, and that's why it was so nice. Again, you're kind of doing like you're doing a one day ride. You get scared. You're like, "Am I going to finish? Or do I keep going?" Like, am I? And but this was so acute, so strong out of nowhere. Like I couldn't. Like it wasn't like I had time to think about being scared. It was out of nowhere. I just got scared. Like, and I was like, "Whoa!" It was really sucked the life out of me for a second. But I knew I was just like, "Well, this is the whole point, isn't it? This is the whole point. What I got to be scared of." You just talk to yourself. What am I going to be scared of? It doesn't matter. Let's keep going. You know, that's practically, that's exactly what I told myself. I didn't even take it any further than that. I'm like, what's there to be scared about? I mean, I could go into levels in my head and go, what's there to be scared about? What am I, I'm scared I'm not going to finish. And then you start thinking, am I scared of the unknown? Well, am I scared of myself? Like you start thinking like that. It's just, I don't know. It's just, what am I going to be scared about? There's nothing to be scared of. Let's keep going. So you, you flip the pancake. You flip, I just flip the pancake and go in. I'm ready to go one to one. Like I know that's, I'm ready to take it one pedal at a time. It's easier said than done, but I'm ready to literally count one, 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 one for 30 hours. And it's, it's such a beautifully intense place to be in. And, it's, and it comes at a point where you've lost all focus because it's like you have all this energy and you have all this focus and you can, tra- you can really, once you be able to train your mind enough on the bike, you can channel all your energy and just focus. And these things like time, they don't even exist for you. Literally, they don't even exist for you. If you think of any activity you've done under a high level of focus, the, the clock just goes, it doesn't even exist. Three hours can feel like a blink. And that's what the first 13 days felt like because I was just like, I had felt honestly that like, there was no doubt in my mind that it was going to work out exactly how it was going to work out perfectly. You know, even if I had issues, I knew it was working out exactly how it was going to work out. So, but it got to a point where I just had so much fatigue and I couldn't focus. Like I just couldn't, I was trying to, you know, kind of like grab my mind and put it together and just be like, dude, just look at the floor, <laughs> like just stare. But I was so tired and like all over the place. It was just getting so overwhelming. I couldn't do it. And that's when it just got me. It like knocked me when I was down. 
and the fear hit. But I was like, no, I'm not going to be scared. You know, because what a place to live in, just so scared, just scared. I felt like I felt scared for so long about things. It's like you can't be scared, you know. Um, so many people, so many people, me included, uh, for, for years see that kind of fear. Notice it on the horizon. Don't even feel it to the extent that you're describing and go, oh, no, turn around, yeah. turn around. Yeah. What's, what, what did you find beyond the fear? What did I find beyond the fear? I found magic beyond the fear. It's magic. It's magical beyond the fear. It's uh, complete and utter liberation beyond the fear. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. It just feels like you've just entered another level of the video game. Like you've just left that level behind where you're just scared no more. Because I just found that my fear was always, even on the bike, was strongly, firmly placed in the unknown nature. It's just I don't know. I needed to know because up until that point of wherever I was and riding the bike, whatever I learned, it's like I always knew and it always made me feel good. Even if I wasn't really, you know, happy about the outcome of what the situation was going to be, just the fact that knowing gave me a certain level of security, you know, and I was happy with that. Um, so on the bike, I got into those situations where it's like there is the, the security thing comes up a lot. And um, it was just, for me, it's just like I'd be, I couldn't be scared of the unknown because the, I, I felt that I largely was unknown and that being, being scared of the unknown would just be being scared of myself. And if I couldn't liberate that, liberate that aspect of my life, then I'd always be walking in circles and I would want to do something, but I could never do it. I'd see an opportunity, but I'd never, I'd never open the door. So liberating myself from that fear was, was that ability of actually being able to step through the door, you know? Um, what, what would you say to people about, about fears that are, you know, in their lives? It might be, oh, I'm afraid of opening that bill. Because I, I know that bill's not going to be printed in blue, it's going to be printed in red. And then I'm afraid of opening my bank account and seeing that there's not enough money there. What would you say? You know, or, or I'm afraid to pick up this phone because I know it's work and they're going to ask me for a shift and I don't know if I want to do it. Mm. What would you say to people about dealing with fears like, like that don't take them 13,000, yeah. 5,000 kilometers yeah. to get to? Well, that bill's not going to go away. That, 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 that bank account's nothing that's going to change unless you do something. You know, just to sit there and think that's going to go away. It's never going to go away. You're still going to find yourself in the same positions with the same pain, running around in circles, ultimately hiding from yourself. So you actually, it's so simple. It's just action is your ticket. That's your currency is action. And, if, and the reward is the experience. And you can't expect to have a different experience if you're not ready to put any action in. You're still just going to get the same experience. And right now, probably, if you're in that position, you're probably not too pleased with the experiencing you're having. So you've got to do something. You've just got to open the bill. You know, that's all it is. It's just open it. Um, yeah. I mean, action really is the fear killer. You just have to do it. Um, that's what I would say. At least that's what I feel like. And is that how now that you've had that – I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken to other ultra athletes mm. on, on this show and they, they often describe a similar thing. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I had to – do nothing but run for nine and a half hours before I have this moment. Yeah. That's what I do. I've experienced a very yeah. small version yeah. of it in the marathons I've run yeah. and the, the mountains I've mm. ridden my bicycle up. I've experienced a small yeah. version of, all oh, right, I actually had to do this thing for six hours uh, and, you know, until I got to this point because mm. I can't just get to this point. Mm. There, this door is hidden down yeah. a hallway that you can't access yeah. unless you have done this thing uh. for this many hours. Mm. But then afterwards, you go through life. I've been, uh -huh. Early in my experience, uh -huh. 
you go through life going, oh, yeah, okay. Well, in my previous experience, yeah. you know, how does this rank to yeah. blisters on both feet, uh, you know, I haven't mm. peed even though I've done nothing but drink water. I'm really worried about how dehydrated yeah. I am. You know, I am some because I'm on a bicycle, I'm 110 kilometres from where Anywhere. my car is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the yeah. only way to get back yeah. is to ride. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is okay. You know, yeah. do you find that now that you walk through life with a bit more of a superpower swagger? Of course. I mean, the experience becomes a part of what you see. And it, shape, and it literally takes the lens in which you see everything and makes it almost like the veil of reality slightly slightly gets lifted as much as – it's almost like if there's a way you can see the world at the highest level, experience the highest level of reality, you get one step closer. And the highest level is obviously limited by your five senses because that's what you came here with and that's what's interpreting everything. But you're getting closer. because It's almost like you have a, largely a huge potential but you operate at the smallest level. So it's just increasing that and getting closer and closer and closer. And I think it's just time removed from your regular situation that brings it out in you. It's like who has seven hours by themselves in a regular day? You might have seven hours by yourself, but you're in the kitchen. You're on, you have your phone next to you, have your thing. And they, they act as little distractions, man, from yourself. So being out there with you and yourself for that amount of time just brings it out of you. And once you bring in the fatigue, it's like the fatigue just really brings it out of you. And you can't escape. And especially if you want to perform at your highest level. Like you might be able to, you might be, have great genetics and, be able to perform pretty good. But if you're trying to maximize your given potential on that given day, you have to be able to deal with that. And the whole world, and you've known, probably noticed this too, is that the whole world outside of that exact moment collapses. That's, that's what I personally love about it, is that it, it almost feels, I used to think it's an escape. It's not really an escape. It's almost like the first time you, you've, you're arriving. It's the first time you've arrived. It's like, welcome. You're now focused enough to where you can actually live you know, you can actually be here because you're not here before, you know. So that's what I loved about it. It's like this whole world outside of myself collapsed and I just found myself like in this exact moment cycling. And it was like your heart rate is so high that it's literally forces you into a position where it's like survival, second to second. Because you can't keep the effort going if you're thinking about how long I have to go left. I mean, you can't keep going if you think I've got another eight days left because the effort's so challenging at that time. But that's what's... That's what I loved about it. It brought me to the exact second I was in that I never, I, I found it very hard to experience in day-to-day -day life. But that I found that that was the most, I couldn't even put a word to it, man. It's like doing a podcast for four hours and thinking, where did the time go? You can't put it, you, like you're sitting there thinking like, was that podcast good? Was that podcast bad? Did I enjoy it? You don't even know what took place, yeah. you know? But I, 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 that's where I felt at home. I never felt at home like that before until those moments, you know? So, it was almost like hard coming from, I used to think like, oh, it's hard to come from the indie pack or the, the rider and come back to real life. But it was, it's a complete opposite, dude. It's hard to go from that and come back to, it's hard to go from real life and come back to this. Mm. You know, it's not the other way around, like hard to go from that and come back to real life. No, it's hard to go from real life and come back to that. Because when I'm out there, that feels like real life to me. It feels like, you know, like if you sent me a message, it could bring me into tears out there. Like if you just sent me a smiley face, I could start crying, dude. Like I would look at you like you are you are like I like you're my family. Like I hardly look at people. Like you know, like you walk down the street, someone smiles at you. Think why are you smiling at me, dude? Because you're too busy walking around. Like he's judging me, and he, I'm judging. When you're out there, someone smiles at you. You're like, oh. feels like your mum's giving you a warm hug. Food tastes sweet. Water tastes sweet. 
You could ride for 24 hours and then stop. And if a gas station's open and you can get food, it's enough. It's one meal is enough for you to just go, oh, maybe I could keep going. Mate, that does not happen regularly. And that's what's so addictive about it. You get touched. You've experienced life in a way in this, in this heightened sense, in this sensitive way that you don't experience because you're so unsensitive in regular situations. Like, I'm on my phone, I'm, I'm walking around, you know, me and Osher are just chatting, you know, like, it's just this and I just have a friendship group and I'm just in a car and I only make this much money. I think, oh my God, you're so sensitive. Like, the wind hits you, you're just like, oh, the wind, the sun setting, you're just like, oh, the sun, this big thing in the middle of nowhere that's just like hot and just providing me with life. Like, oh, you know, you're like, when you're out there, you're like, the sun, the moon, the stars, like, you look up and that thing, I'm a nobody, actually goes like, oh, no, dude, I'm a nobody. But the reverse end of that sentence, I was saying, I'm a nobody, but I feel like I'm everybody suddenly. You feel like oh, I'm nobody, but I'm a part of the greatest miracle in the whole, in the whole cosmos. You know, like oh, that's, what you, that's the other end of that tragic, I'm a nobody. Right. You feel the other end of that spectrum and, and you melt into the greatest piece of magic ever. Yeah. And that's just like, man, I wish I could feel that all the time. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds to me, Abdullah, that the posi- <laughs> it sounds to me that the position that you finished doesn't yeah. really matter to you. No, it doesn't. No way. You know, the, the thing for me was I just want, the thing that was most important for me on that race when I first entered was like, I just, I just have to experience it. It was this experience. I was like, nah, dude, like I've, I've been at the place where I've got the position I want and I felt empty. So I know through experience that the process that like the opera house is nothing. Two weeks in between the opera house, so that's what I'm after. Every single thing that happens along the way, because that's what ultimately gives me, fulfills me the most, is just the experience itself. So I knew the placing when it didn't really, it was irrelevant to me. And I knew that if I even if I thought about the placing, it would limit my performance anyway. I wouldn't have done so well. If I thought about the placing, I'd, I guarantee it wouldn't have ended out so well. And I experienced a lot of stuff. I didn't like. I, it was shocking to me the level of support. And that's where it really drove it home for me. And that's when it became even easier for me because I'd be like getting messages and like, I wouldn't check my phone, but I'd check it in the morning at the, at the end of the day. And I'd be getting messages from dudes like I never heard of smiling and, and saying these things. And I'm, I'm already like, I'm already as sensitive as you can be. Think of the most sensitive as you can be. So like getting these messages, I was like, it's so easy to keep going because it's not even about you no more. If it's about you, man, that goes in two seconds. If it's about you, you get out there, your heart rate's going to go to 140 or whatever. You're going to get cold. You're going to get tired. And you go, it's going it's to go, it's not that important because you, it's you're not that, it's you. It's just like temporary you. Born, die you. It's not big enough to fuel you. So it was like the moment I said I couldn't do this was the moment I started writing effectively and I started to tap into something that could sustain it. Because it was like, of course you can't do this. You're Abdullah, you're six foot one, you're Arab, this is your this is your name, this is your hair, this is what you're limited. This everything you're limited by is gonna that's your limit. You know? But when I could shove that to the side and go, I think I'm much more I'm what encapsulates me is much more than that, and it's within everything. That's when it becomes I, I, I can I'm getting power from everywhere. Like it's, I'm tapping into everything. I'm tapping into potential everywhere, and it becomes much easier to keep going. And you don't become your own limiting factor anymore. You're not you're not in the way. You know how you always feel like you're in the way. Like oh I want to do that, but I don't want to do this. Oh I want to get that. I want to go. Should I go there? Should I go that? And you, you end up doing nothing. You end up just end up terminating your own experience all the time. I didn't feel that. I was like, wow, you know, like. This I'm a nobody thing's actually working out okay, you know? So it was cool. I mean, that's the only reason I would do it again. 
to, 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 to be in that spot and to have the connection with people, to experience that connection because that's the connection now. Like any experience, you bring it to the next one and that's given me the opportunity now to project me like, mate, maybe like I'll come down from that next year and be like, life's not good enough for me no more and I'll do it again. But I know that I'm going to get such a great, carry all of that with me for so long and that's, it's just life resume. For my, you know, not so I can show to dudes and be like, yeah, like, oh, look at this. We did this. We're so cool. Like, follow me. No, it's just, oh, yeah. I'm happy I appreciate life enough to do what I said I was going to do and, and I respect it that much because it's, it's a humility thing. It's a humility. It's arrogant to think that it's, it's arrogant not to do what you want. You're arrogant. When people are like, I'm not going to do that, I just look at you the arrogant dude. You know, you think life's nothing. You think you know. You think you know. But it's like the opposite kind of coin is that it's like you, do, you know nothing. Well, you know, but you only know a speck and you recognize the true nature makes you humble and you just go, how can I not do this? You feel obliged. It takes this sense of motivation and drive that you're always clinging for. You're always on your phone trying to find something to keep you going. And it goes, yeah, well, fuck it. I'm going to throw that out or I'm going to grab it and I'm going to shove it right inside my heart. And as long as my heart's fucking beating, well, then I'm good. And I'm not going to struggle to get up and go for a jog because it shouldn't be that hard. You know, like it shouldn't, it should be easy for you to do that. So that's what it felt like for me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Abdullah, I cannot thank you enough nah, for nah, thank sharing you. what you've shared with me today. I know that you've, I know you've told the story a few times. Yeah, I know yeah. you've described that, but that I could share, help you share that with the people that listen to the show is you've given a lot of people the gift today. I don't even think you know. I don't even I think hope you so. know. You know, I you know I love talking about it. I do love talking about it. I do, and and. I never want to, and every time I talk to someone about it, I never want to come across like I know, like I know everything. I don't. All I feel like I'm trying to do is just express my experience and hopefully someone can resonate with that. And ultimately, I would just, I know what it feels like on a personal level to feel like I'm not getting the great side of the coin, to feel like I'm not receiving what I want to be receiving and just feel like it's, there's, just feel like I'm not having the experience I want to experience and it's, and it's painful and it's just so bad, man. And to think that there's a lot of people out there in that position breaks my heart. And I know there's more people out there in that position than the other side of the coin. And it's in the action that yeah. gets you out I of know that there's more people out there feeling like they're not getting what they want out of life than there is getting out of life. Absolutely. Just, I just don't know, but I just, I just, I've just oh, experienced no, I just, a lot and, and experienced a lot. And it's almost like, for me, it just took meeting a couple of people that I thought would have what I was after to realize that they didn't have what I was after to think, well, maybe it's not dictated by your race, your name, your age, your wealth, your position, your famousness. You know, like it just it took me two famous dudes and go, dude, you're just as bad as me. Like, shit, we're all bad. Like, maybe we should try and work it out. Like, maybe you should do something about that, you know? So, Yeah. It was yeah. great. Great chat, man. I felt like it went well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think uh, things are only just beginning for you, Abdul, and I'm inc- I'm excited that I got to be a part of your journey at no, this point. No, in thanks, it, man. mate. No, this is cool to be exciting. here. Cool. It man. really is cool to be here. All right, I'm just going to show. I'm going to shoot your photo real quick, and then yeah, let's uh, do it. Cool, man. Thanks. That was Abdullah Zainab. You can find out out more about him on YouTube 
uh, just search for the Glucu- the Glucose Network on YouTube. He's also on Instagram, Abdullah Zenab, A-B-D-U-L-L-A-H-Z-E-I-N-A-B. Let him know you heard him here on the show. Thank you very much to everybody who helped me make the show today. Uh, thank you to the new Patreon supporters who threw a couple of bucks our way. Osher, uh, that's patreon.com slash Osher is where we are. Really helps an enormous amount because I have to pay the people that make this show with me. My audio producer, Andy Maher, who cuts and edits and makes fantastic editorial decisions. Rachel Barrett, who makes sure me and my guests are in the same place at the same time. It's no mean feat trying to juggle my calendar. Rachel does a very good job. Toe Hider, who makes all the music. Uh, I, I want to thank everyone on the Facebook group, because bloody hell, you inspire me every single day. And thank you very much to the people that bought tickets to the live show, osha.is slash live. You can buy tickets and a book. Buy a ticket and a book. I'll sign both. One will get you into the show, one you can read. All right. I've got to go, because uh, Audrey and I are reading more audio book chapters today. But... Um, Until we speak next time, I will wish you what I wish for myself. I wish that you sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.